0: And now enjoy this free Jason Modcast show! Carry on all way you son! There'll be peace when you are done. Lay your weary head to rest! Don't you cry, Don't you cry. Hey everybody, and welcome to episode 17 of Lupa's Bits. I am your host, Lupa Barty, aka, just to make somebody happy, Stephanie Barty, and we are two weeks away from Halloween. Holy moly. Can you believe that? I saw a meme on um, Facebook earlier when I was um, getting my poetry together that said, oh look, the virus is still here, and it's snowing again. Yeah. I was not thrilled. We, uh, where I live, um, we are supposed to have snow on the, supposed to start snowing on the 30th and it's supposed to snow like the 30th and the 31st. I mean, I'm not worried about that snow because the first snow never stays. It never hangs around. It's usually gone like within a few hours or at the next, the next day at the latest. Very rarely has the first snow ever actually accumulated to anything worth staying. But it's still snow, there's still white stuff on the ground, but I do say, I do have to admit that first snow or the first couple of snows, I don't mind so much because that means we have actually exited the rainy season, which starts about mid to late August and runs until the first snow because then it just gets cold enough for the rain to turn to snow, so it stops the snow. Um, And then it snows until it gets warm enough for the snow to turn back to rain, and then we enter back into the rainy season. Yay! And then we have July. So, um, I'm, I'm kind of not looking forward to the first snow, but it will be nice to go outside and have it, precipitating of some sort and not drench me within a minute and a half you know, I can brush snow off and I'll be perfectly fine. Rain not so much. Um yeah, and my hair won't be as frizzy because there won't be as much humidity. So yeah, anyway, it's supposed to snow next week. We are wait a minute. No, we're a week away. We're not two weeks away. We are a week away from Halloween. So next week I have some pretty interesting stuff I'm going to talk about. I had to figure out where we were on the October schedule because uh, I kind of, strangely enough, have like almost a schedule of things that I want to talk about in a certain order. Which makes my producer very happy because I've never actually had a schedule of events um, or a plan <laughs> when I go into a podcast. It's kind of like, oh, got a podcast, all right, let's go. Um, But this time, I kind of have a general idea. I do a little bit of research. I get some stuff prepared before I go in, and um, I go in with almost like a plan. <gasps> yeah, I don't tell anybody. I know, it's weird. So, it's like a totally different format than what I was doing over on MythBits, which three weeks out of four, I was kind of flying by the seat of my pants. Um, tonight, they're jammy pants, so we're not flying by the seat of those, because they're my favorite jammy pants, and I don't want to lose the seat out of them. So, so yeah, I kind of have a plan. Um, and the closer we creep to Halloween, you see what I did there, right? The closer we creep to Halloween, the more um, creepy my podcasts, I guess, have gotten, except for, you know, the ones where... I've had a complete and total mental breakdown, and you've had to listen to it. Thank you for that, by the way. Um, I am much better. I am having a much better week. Mind you, I did end up with a head cold this week. Both Crystal and I came down. She had it, I think, a little worse than I did. Um, I just felt like my head was stuffed with cotton, and my ears were plugged up. I'm pretty much anything from the neck up is my kryptonite. It will take me down. If you're planning on taking me out and, and, and doing away with me, then like, give me a headache or a toothache or an earache or mess with my eyes or something. And I'm done. You win. I'm done. Take me out. Um, so one of the worst things for me to get is a head cold. Because I turn into a whiny, snivelly, come and rub my head and feed me soup big old baby. Everything else I can kind of power through it. Head cold? No. I have been locked in the trailer for about three days now. And um, Crystal had it worse. She ended up with the really sore throat where it felt like she was swallowing glass. Nope, not the COVID. We're both good. Um, But Sick. Ugh, sick. Today is the first day in about three days that I've actually felt human and not a ball of seething, breathing cotton snot. So that's a bonus. Um, and as Crystal said earlier today, you know, you know you're getting better when the best thing about being sick is a runny nose, because that means that it's starting to break up and, you know, make its way out of my sinuses, which is Yay, because along with, you know, your head feeling like it's stuffed with cotton and your ears being plugged up and your nose being plugged up, um, your sinuses are clogged, which unfortunately leads to a lovely sinus headache, which I have had for three days. Um, The first morning when I woke up with it, I couldn't even, I mean, I had all the blinds down, I had the blinds closed, and I was pretty much walking around with my hands as blinders over my eyes, Staring at my computer screen was almost killing me. It it hurt so bad. Um, but I, you know, powered through it because I do. I had stuff to do. But, yeah, I, I spent um, that day and a lot of the day before, too, in bed. Which, <laughs> if anybody who knows me knows, if I've taken to my bed, I am sick. Because I don't generally sleep during the day. I'm not one to lie around in bed all day. I mean, I'm not one to go out and do a ton of stuff either. Um, But it was, it was an awful cold, awful cold. And I mean, I still don't feel great, but I feel a hell of a lot better than I did yesterday. So that in, in and of itself, when you have a really bad head cold or you have the really bad flu or something like that, any improvement the next day feels like a thousand times better than it actually is. So, I mean, I'm still achy. I'm still going from hot to cold, the hot to cold, the hot to cold, which is frustrating as hell. I flip my blankets back and forth so many times that it, there might as well be a fan over there because I'm creating quite a breeze, flipping them on, and then 20 minutes later, I'm flipping them off. And 20 minutes later, I'm flipping them back on. Sleep in a tank top, because I know I'm going to get hot at some point, but I have, like, my big fuzzy wool blankets right beside me, because I know I'm going to get cold at some point. (sighs) Anyway, okay, I'm done whining and complaining about my sickness. So, if I sound a little congested, or if my voice starts to crack throughout the podcast, that is why. Because, you know, I feel like a hammered bag of poop but I'm an improved hammered bag of poo over yesterday, so. Okay, so it's getting close to Halloween, and you're doing the ghosties, and ghoulies, and booze, and all of this, and a lot of places have canceled Halloween. A lot of places are doing um, Halloween candy drop-offs, where Certain places within the town, you can take your kid. They can go pick up some candy. You take your kid home. It's like a drive-through trick or treat. Um, I'm doing very well because I'm <laughs> delivering Halloween baskets. So everybody who's decided they're going to stay home has been ordering Halloween baskets for their kids and for their friends. And you know, I'm I'm going to be busy on Halloween. Um, I'm going to be busy the last week up to Halloween. So, it's good for me. Yay! Um, I want to talk a little bit about somebody first before I dive into, kind of just remembered. Um, it was somebody's birthday, not that long ago. And he went on live and did this big, you know, it's my birthday and I'm the myth master and I'm so great, blah, blah, blah. Um... Yeah, he's all right. He's all right, I suppose. You know, he doesn't intimidate me. He doesn't scare me. he uh, I know a lot. I have a lot of secrets on him. He's a big softy. Ask him about his cat. <laughs> and I just want to remind the Myth Master that I do still actually have possession of his chainsaw. And he has not paid the ransom to get that back. So it may actually be returned to him piece by piece, so that will be fun, so Mythmaster, if you're listening, which I know you do because I am the best podcast on the network, just saying um, yeah, you want your uh chainsaw back, we need to talk. maybe you'll come on my show, and uh, I'll teach you how it's done, okay, so now that I've done bug finished bugging him for a while, we are about eleven minutes in might as well get to what we are going to talk about. So tonight we are going to talk about um, what myself and um, a lot of people call the veil. Now the veil is the basically the divider between the land of the living and the land of the dead. And this time of year, between October 31st and November 2nd, it, that is when it's at, at its thinnest. But pretty much the entire month of October and well into November, um, communication with the other side gets very strong and very prominent and very easy for um, those that pay attention. And even those that, that claim they have no medium ability or no special ability or anything, will make comments about, you know, weird sounds in their houses, knocking, lights turning on and off, um, things moving. You know, they'll sit something down and they'll come back a couple hours later and it'll be moved to like another table. And noticing odd things and getting that, that feeling, that creepy feeling that kind of rushes up your spine. It starts in the base of your back and kind of just Tickles up your spine like somebody's there, and you turn around and there's nobody there. And October is famous for it, and I think that's kind of why a lot of people love and hate October, why it's one of the creepiest months, and everybody is all into the Halloween and the zombies and the you know the scary stuff. Because Halloween is gen. October is generally scary as it is, and as one that does work with the other side and can communicate, um, with the other side. Now I'm not a trained medium. I am not any way, shape or form a professional. Um, I haven't been formally trained. Uh, I just, I have a gift that is, is, um, unmolded. What is it? What is it? Crystal calls me baby medium. She calls me her baby medium because I'm, I'm still in training. I'm still learning. I've never cultivated that gift. I've never worked with it. It just kind of happens at times. And, um, I think my, my favorite times when it happens is when I'm with a skeptic or I'm with somebody who, um, doesn't, entirely believe in it, may want to believe in it or have questions, but doesn't entirely believe in it, and then it happens. All of a sudden, that channel is open, and I am speaking for their loved one or their friend or a relative that has passed on, and I'm telling them things that, how am I supposed to know? I've never met this person. I don't know what kind of cigarettes they like to smoke. I don't know what they smelled like, but I'm telling them this is what they smelled like. This is, you know, this kind of stuff. And they're kind of sitting there looking at me like, holy crap, there might be something to this. So those are my favorite times, you know, when it happens. And when it's a positive experience for the person who is receiving whatever message it is that... I'm being given to give them because 99% of the time there is a reason why I am tapped. <laughs> and I say tapped because I, the way I equate it with me is they kind of come up and you know how you're tapping a maple tree to get the syrup out. Well, yeah, they're kind of plugging in like an old um, switchboard from the phone company. Think of it that way, like an old switchboard and you have all the wires and you're plugging them into different places. Well, I'm just one of them holes that they come up and they just kind of plug into and go, hey, uh, you're with so-and-so. Can you pass this on? Okie dokie. And I do. And then a lot of times it's over as quickly as it happens and it's gone. And I can't cause it to happen. I can't um, connect to the other side at will. It doesn't work like that. Um, There have been rare occasions when um, I've been contacted by friends and said, you know, we've got like this creepy feeling or we feel like there's somebody here. Can you pick up on anything? And I'll just kind of focus and I can, you know, generally pick up what's there. Usually I can pick up the type of energy that's there, not necessarily who or what it is um that's always fun too so living with this gift you are kind of never alone <laughs> you're 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 never really alone um which can be a little disturbing sometimes There's always somebody. Now, I've gotten really good at being able to expand my shields around me and kind of keep everybody and all of that at bay. You know, you stay out there at the perimeter. This is my space, and you're not allowed in because I need to sleep. I don't want somebody watching me while I pee. I don't want somebody watching me or trying to talk to me while I'm having a shower. Or I'm cooking my dinner. This is my space. This is my privacy. You stay out there. And the closer it gets to salmon, which we will talk about next week, the more I can feel them gathering and it's not just for me either. It's for others that I know very, very well. They can feel it too. And when you have two mediums living on the same property in close proximity, <laughs> it gets a little crowded. And it's getting a little crowded. Um, and a lot of them are here in anticipation of Samhain, which, again, we will talk about next week. Um, But if, in the meantime, you want to do a little research about what Samhain is and what it represents, what we do, it's spelled S-A-M-H-A-I-N. It is not pronounced Samhain at all. Not even a little bit. Please don't pronounce it, Samhain please. It is pronounced Samhain. And as I actually learned to d- the other day from my friend Sika, um, she is taking Scottish Gaelic, I believe it is. And she asked her her Scottish Gaelic teacher how Samhain is pronounced in Scottish. Now, Samhain with the W sound is Irish. So then, with the V sound, is Scottish. So, there's your little pronunciation lesson for this week. We will get more into that next week. I know I keep saying that, and I keep talking about it, but anyway. I have a couple of poems I'm going to read to you first. Um, the first one I'm actually going to read to you, it's not anything to do with Halloween or October or anything like that. It actually is... Um, About a a picture that a friend of mine posted on Facebook. And the picture, the artwork that she had posted was Persephone and Hades. And I commented on it and told her, you know, I actually have a poem about that. Because in this picture, they are in a lover's embrace. Which is odd because most of the stories that you see, most of the artwork that you see about Persephone and Hades... It's Persephone is the captive, and she is afraid of Hades, and she is sad, and she is miserable, and very rarely do you see them in a loving embrace in a relationship scenario. And I'd actually written a poem 2011 or earlier, might have been earlier. Notice a lot of things were posted in March 4th, 2011. Anyway, um, about the relationship between Persephone and Hades from a different point of view. Change your perspective. Go back a few podcasts, you'll understand what I mean by that. So this is the poem here. She pauses at the door, hand on the latch. It is time. She has made this trip before, but still, she pauses, hand on the latch. The smallest of tugs deep in her chest turns her back towards the inside, where he sits, brooding into his drink, shadowed by the flicker of the fire. His rugged appearance is softened in the muted light as he stoically refuses to look at her. Brutal hands that hold a world of souls have been gentle upon her face. A voice that could bring down all the mountains in the world has whispered softly in her ear, laughed with her, loved with her. She fingers the small locket at her throat, running her fingers over the smooth surface, gently shaking the six pieces of her fate that lay inside, and she smiles. On silent feet she steals towards him. She knows he feels her near. The faintest touch, just a whisper, she kisses his cheek. His muscles twitch and she knows, he smiled. She has grown to love this man, her captor. Again she heads for the door, her heart light with anticipation of her visit, for this is her home now, here she will return now, the perspective in this poem is she is leaving the underworld in the spring because you know she's in Hades, she's in the underworld for six months from fall until spring, and then she's above ground with her mother um, Demeter from spring until fall, so this is when she's leaving in the spring, but if you look at it from a different perspective, you can see where she's actually anticipating coming back in the fall to see him. You know, because she's fallen in love with him. So, that was actually... Seeing that picture reminded me, oh yeah, I wrote that poem. So, I had to share it with you. Thank you, Rebecca, for posting that, pic- that picture. Because I do... I actually really do love that poem. It's one of my favorite ones that I've written um, when I was doing my Change Your Perspective experiment. And... I think it turned out really well. It really works. You can kind of see how a relationship would develop, and it may be Stockholm syndrome. It may be not. You don't know. But whatever it is, there is a real love, a real relationship between Hades and Persephone. Um, and it actually sparked quite the conversation when I posted it. There were there was quite um, a debate. There were two camps of thought, and the people that were of one camp and the people that were of the other camp were firmly entrenched in their mindset. And the debate back and forth between the two camps of thought was was rather interesting. I did eventually have to delete it because it did um, progress into something nasty, as most debates unfortunately do. But at the very beginning when they were presenting facts and people were actually doing research on the history and the the mythology of Persephone and the mythology of Hades and could Hades have the ability to love? Could Persephone be able to love somebody like Hades being ripped away from her mother? Would Demeter let her go? Would she not have fought and gone down to the underworld in search, so you know, yeah, it was it was really good. I'm not going to get into that because I could talk all day about Greek mythology. So anyway, that's Persephone's heart. So now we are going to um, delve into something more seasonal, and this one is called the veil, vale, appropriately enough. Darkness crawls across the land. A thousand screams are whispered through the trees on the breath of a windless night. Can you hear me? The veil is thinning. Can you see me? The veil is thinning. Shadows dance where light dares to tread. Grasping hands, reaching, stretching, holding out for a love to touch back. Can you feel me? The veil is thinning. Can you touch me? The veil is thinning. Living walk among the dead with their sightless eyes and soundless ears. If they would only stop, be still, be silent. They could hear, they could see, they could feel and touch. For the veil is thinning and there are messages to send. There are lessons to receive. For the veil is thinning. So that is, of course, obviously about um, the thinning of the veil between the land of the living and the land of the dead. And sometimes you just need to stop. You need to pause. You need to, um, see what's around you, listen to what's around you. So that kind of explains, um, what is happening this time of year. And if you just stop and close your eyes and just listen, just feel the energies around you, you might be a little freaked out, but you might be surprised. You never know. So now we're going to go to a poem that I wrote um, way back in 2011 or before, and it's kind of appropriate for this time of year. If you've ever been lying in bed and and something's kind of woken you up, and you're you're sure. Somebody was there or you heard something, but you can't really figure out what it is. So this one's called Haunted. Bodies come in the dark, broken thoughts, fragmented words. I waken and they are gone, back into the shadows. So I drift off again and they return. Words I don't know, names I have never heard. They haunt me in the night, only when I sleep, only when I dream have you ever had that? That's another um, form of spirit communication, actually, is dreaming. And it is wildly, widely, wild, wow. Okay. Largely. It is largely believed. We're going to go with that word because we can't say the other one. We are having a problem saying widely. I want to say wildly, which is appropriate, but you know. So, largely, it is largely believed that, um, when you dream of a loved one that has crossed over, that is not a dream, but it's actually a spirit visitation. Because it is much easier for those of us that don't work with the dead, don't communicate with the dead, don't, um kind of live in that realm of, um, thinking and, and, um, working, it's much easier for us to accept seeing our lost loved ones standing in front of us in a dream than it would be if, you know, we were vacuuming and all of a sudden they were there. Even I think I would scream and there would be, you know, running and hiding and praying. And, you know, then I would put on my big girl panties, remind myself I'm a paranormal investigator and I can do this. And I do communicate with the other side and I would get up and I would go and do that. But it is largely believed that when you dream of a lost loved one, that they are coming to visit you and they are coming to spend time with you in an atmosphere and a place that you are not going to be afraid, that you are not going to run and you're not going to hide and you're not going to turn them away. You are going to be happy to see them. You are going to be excited to spend time with them. So that is kind of what that poem talks about. That edge of sleep, where they're kind of waiting for you to go to sleep, so that they can come in and and visit, and you wake up because you know they're there. So, that's haunted. Now, this one, um, this one's just kind of a monstery, kind of eerie poem. <laughs> And I don't know if I've put it up. I think I've put it up on the World of Myth magazine. I know I haven't read it on my podcasts. I'm pretty sure. So this is called Creatures of the Mist. And it was actually inspired. I was driving home one night. um, And it was late. It was about 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning. And um, it was, I think late September so it was that time of year where it's really really warm during the day and then drops down to really like cold at night so you get a lot of fog at the low lying areas and I was driving along and I was hitting a lot of the, the valleys and the low lying areas and the flatlands um, and there was a lot of fog and a lot of mist and out of the corner of my eye I could see animals darting back into the tall grass and back into the trees and into the the ditches and gullies along the side of the road. And it kind of inspired, you know, creatures of the mist. So this is, this is the poem. Mist slowly caresses the green hills, darkening in the twilight. Slowly the magic of the night awakens and stretches her arms wide darkness, deeper than life, raises his head and howls. This is his time. Hunger gnaws at him and he must answer the call. They must all answer the call, these creatures of the dark, creatures of the mist. The ethereal cover provides a cloak over the eyes of the innocent as they move through it as one. They have a great love for their prey, for they are what gives them life, and they must live, they must survive. To have balance, we must have both, the wonders of the light and the darkness of the night, the creatures of the mist. So that's your little creepy, creepy poem for this week. Um, Now, the last one that I have is... This was inspired by a conversation. And we were talking... um, This one was written in 2013, And it was inspired. I remember it because I actually put little notes on it. (laughs) It was inspired. Um, I do believe I was talking to Crystal and um, a couple of other friends of ours. We were at an event and I think we were in Hamilton, more than likely. And it was about this time of year. And we were talking about how the closer it got to Samhain, the more you could feel it. You could feel the energy beginning to stir. You could feel the the veil thinning and the other side kind of perking up and and becoming aware that we were aware. And it was like a little tickle, and it just kind of grew. And that's where this came from. Something is stirring. Can you feel it? That tickle in the pit of your stomach. The breathless anticipation of an unasked question. Something is moving. Can you sense it? That shift in awareness pulling senses on alert. The swiftly pounding heart that drums out a warning. Something is stirring. Something is moving. Are you ready? Are you aware? Do you know? Breathe, reach, ground, and breathe. Be ready. For it comes for us all. And I know I've read that... um, in a previous podcast and because it pertained to the topic I was discussing. Um, but it fits here as well because it is talking about that energy that you feel, that, that breathless anticipation. For us, anyway, it's an anticipation that... We are going to be able to communicate with our loved ones, with our friends and our relatives and, you know, those that have, have crossed over um, and be able to do it for others as well. Eat more easily because the veil is so thin and you can almost pass between the two. So, yeah. Now, where what are we sitting at? Yeah, last time. There are a variety of ways to communicate with the dead. Not all of them, a reputable medium would recommend. Um, Some are very simple. You can use items around the house, some are a little more in depth and require a little more um, preparation. And anybody who is open to it, everybody has the ability, has the gift inside them. Everybody does. We are sensory beings. We operate on senses, sight, sound, touch, smell. Those are physical senses, yes, but there is one other sense. It's your fifth sense. And there's the sixth sense, okay? But we also operate on the feeling of energy. You walk into a place and you're like, oh, no, no, I don't want to be here. This feels creepy. And you you, you leave because it feels wrong. It's a feeling that you get. Um, certain people that you're around just kind of suck the life right out of you. And you don't want to be around them because they're very draining. You sense that. Some people you sense have a very uplifting energy. Some places feel really good and you want to be there. Some places feel really bad and you don't want to be there. And you know how they always say, trust your gut, trust your instinct. There's a reason for that. Because we all are very sensitive to energy. Some people just choose to ignore it. And over time, the ability to um, feel it and react to it and shield from it and pull it in or push it out fades, so you have to work at it to get it back. But everybody has the ability, and everybody has the ability to communicate with energy that is crossed over because we are all made up of energy, and you cannot destroy energy, energy cannot be destroyed it just changes form. So, whatever you call it, whether it's your personal energy, your soul, when the physical shell dies, that, you know, goes on to its next form, whatever that happens to be. So, with a little training, you can tune into those energies. Now, my, um, I'm a paranormal investigator, so I tend to go into a lot of spirit communication as a skeptic, because that's what I was trained to be. As a paranormal investigator, you are trained to debunk, not to believe. Of course we believe. Why do you think we do that? You know, we believe, we want to believe, we want proof to back up our belief, but we are trained to go in and debunk that belief. Because once you have ruled out all of the logical scientific reasons for a particular feeling, a particular action, a particular sound or a smell, then you're left with the unknown. And then you can start delving into the possible paranormal aspect of what you're what the homeowner, or what you're experiencing. So, even though I am a firm believer in the paranormal, and I am a firm believer in life after death, and I am a firm believer that there is more than just this, when I go into an investigation, I go in as a skeptic. That place isn't haunted. There's not a ghost rattling over there. They're not possessed. They're not cursed. Now I have to prove it. So, you know, you go in, you check pipes, you check floorboards, you check heater vents. Um, Interesting event. Just remembered, I was investigating um, a family, actually. And the haunting had followed the family since the mother was a child. And uh, the first investigation was just me. And then I brought in, when we went back, the second time I brought in one of my team members, Dana, and she came with me. And that night with the two of us there, again, you've got two energy workers together, same spot, It was a little crowded. Um, they had this water cooler that, you know, the ones that have the big blue bottles and you flip the bottle upside down and you shove it in the hole and, you know, you got the hot and you got the cold and you fill it up and you got water you know, the water cooler. And we were in the kitchen. The water cooler was in the corner by itself and it had been fairly quiet and benign most of the evening. We started the investigation and we were kind of chasing this energy around. We would kind of pinpoint it and then it would shift. It would move. And it was almost following the daughter of The parents that she was seven or eight, I believe, and um, wherever she was, it seemed to be. And we had finally been able to separate this energy from her energy, and we had it in the kitchen, and we're standing there talking. And then we moved into the living room. And as we moved into the living room, all of a sudden, all you could hear was this bubbling. It sounded like a pot on the stove had come to a boil. We go back into the kitchen and the water in the jug of the water cooler was bubbling like it was boiling. It was completely bizarre. I, 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 I can't, to this day, I can't explain it. I have tried. We thought maybe there was an air bubble that had been trapped and it just released at the right moment. You know how it does that glug, glug, glug when you're filling up a container or something. We thought maybe that was it, but it bubbled for a good two to three minutes and the entire thing, all of the water inside was bubbling and we all stood there. I mean, there was me there was Dana, there was the parents, there was the teenage daughter, the brother, and the little girl. And, um, we were all there watching this water cooler jug bubble and boil. And when it stopped and, you know, the paranormal investigators that aren't supposed to be afraid and that are supposed to be, you know, calming and soothing the family got brave enough to go over. We checked the water and the water was ice cold. It wasn't hot at all. It was really weird. Um, that particular case ended up being um, a poltergeist. Now, a poltergeist isn't what you see in the movie. It isn't a malevolent spirit that stacks your chairs on your kitchen table. Um, It is actually created, and it was created by the teenage daughter. Um, The youngest child had a lot of emotional issues, had a lot of behavioral issues. There was um, some trauma in the youngest's past that mirrored the trauma of the mother and the teenage daughter who didn't have any issues was a straight A student was a good kid was kind of ignored because she was a good kid didn't have any problems they didn't have to worry about her so there was a lot of resentment, a lot of anger in her and that is what a teenager there um, as they're going through puberty and their energies and their hormones are raging. That is a lot of times when you get a poltergeist. And we worked with her. And, um, because she's the one that has to clear it. She's the one that has to rein it in. She's the one that has to get rid of it. We can't do that. It is created by her. It needs to be removed by her. So we worked with her and moved it along. And, uh, that was a successful case. But, um... It was very interesting and I will never ever ever forget that water cooler. That was one of the best experiences and I do think I actually have um I don't think it's camera footage. I don't think we had the cameras set up. We didn't have the cameras rolling at that point in time, but I do believe I have audio footage where you can hear it bubbling and you can hear all of us reacting. Um there were some curse words. <laughs> <laughs> And not just from the investigators. There were curse words from the family. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, you can use when we do a paranormal investigation to communicate with the dead. We will use a K2 meter, which measures the electromagnetic frequencies in the atmosphere. And it is believed. Now, I may speak like it's known fact or it's scientific fact. Keep in mind that paranormal investigating is not a scientifically proven um, endeavor. That it is still a very new field of investigation. And we try and come at it with every scientific means that we can. But all of the equipment that has been created is new. It hasn't been tested over years years and years and years and years and years. So, this is still a very new field of investigation. So, when it sounds like I'm talking from authority, keep in mind that in front of everything I say are the words, it is believed within the paranormal community. Okay? So that I don't have to keep saying it because I'm going to forget. Anyway, so we use a K2 and the spirit... Can the ghost can come up to the K2 and manipulate the energy around it. And it is believed that spirit energy emits electromagnetic frequency, which is why most of the equipment that we use measures EMF. So you can actually have a conversation, a yes or no conversation, with a spirit by using a K2. And you tell them, you light it all the way up to the green light it all the way up to the red whatever and you know if it's yes light it to green if it's no light it to red or don't light it at all if you don't want to answer um and you can have an intelligent conversation an intelligent communication with a spirit on the other side you can also use what's called a spirit box and i think i've talked about this one before it scans the fm frequencies and It's a modified AM-FM transistor radio, basically. Uh, Radios nowadays, when they're scanning from channel to channel, will mute out the snow in between each channel. Well, it's within that snow that, um, or that static, that the spirits will communicate, that you will hear them speaking. Um, So this scans, like, all of the, the channels on the FM dial, and you can set the speed so it can scan quickly. It can scan super quick. It can scan um, slowly. Whatever, and you can talk to them that way. And they, a lot of times, you'll get like full sentences from them, or you'll get two or three words. Or they'll answer your question like, "What is your name?" My name is blah blah blah. Whatever. Um, that's another tool that we use. You can use now if you're just messing around at home. Yes, I will put this warning out here so you have been warned and you can't come back at me and say, I tried this at home and now my house is haunted. What do I do? Do any of these, try any of these at your own risk. With anything, and you can believe me, you cannot believe me. Honestly, I'm giving you the warning. You are a grown-ass adult, not my responsibility with everything especially when you're communicating with the dead you are opening a door when you open a door to spirit communication anything can come through and you may remember a podcast that i did probably about five or six podcasts ago um talking about the little friend that i brought home because i got a little cocky and didn't mind the rules and didn't pay attention. And I opened a door. And something came through that I am still battling. I am still working to unattach from me. Um, I bear the scars from that battle. Physical scars from that battle. So let that be your warning. Anything that you attempt, research look into it. Make sure you have your ass covered. You know what you're doing. You know how to protect yourself. Watching Supernatural is not going to give you the information that you need. It'll give you some of the information because they are very good on that show about giving you partial information, not enough to get you into trouble. Just throwing that out there. Watching Buffy, watching Charmed, watching The Craft, watching Practical Magic is not going to give you the information you need to be able to protect yourself effectively if you're going to open that door. I suggest you hit a library. I suggest you hit an esoteric bookstore. I suggest you find your local crystal shop or your local herb shop and you talk to them before you attempt any of this. With that being said, I will also throw out the warning, never investigate your own home unless you really want to know what's there because it'll get a little creepy and you might not want to be there when you're done. I say that from experience. So... You can use a flashlight. You can get one of those twisty flashlights, and you just kind of twist it so that the light just comes on, and you set it down, and you leave it alone. Now make sure that you have it twisted so that the light's not going to just randomly come on and off. Um, that the spirit actually has to work at it. And you can ask simple yes or no questions. You know, turn it on for yes, turn it off for no, um, stuff like that. You can use a scrying mirror that takes some training. You can use tarot cards. You can use um, a pendulum. You can use water. You can scry with water. You can communicate with water. You can hold a seance. You can use a Ouija board. And I say that with sarcasm. I say that with a little bit of a sneer because I hate Ouija boards. I absolutely hate them. I have used them. I'm not going to lie. I have used them. I have also been well-trained in how to protect myself, how to cast a circle of protection around the area that I'm in, how to make sure whatever comes through does not escape. And even, you know, with all of that training and years and years, decades of training and working with it and knowing what to do and all of that, sometimes you get something that is stronger than you are. You can't guarantee what's going to come through that door. And a Ouija board is the worst tool for letting just any willy-nilly come through that door. Um, there have been more cases that we have been called on. And you ask any paranormal group out there worth their salt. Any investigative group one of the first things they'll ask or they'll try and find out is if anybody in the household or in the area has ever used a Ouija board. And when they find out that they have, there will be an eye roll. Okay. And we know what to do. Um, I think my biggest problem is the fact that it is a tool for communicating with the dead. And they sold it In places like Walmart and Toys R Us. And my mom sold them in her craft store. And it said right on it, for ages 8 and up. Huh? Do what now? Ages 8 and up. So an 8-year-old knows how to defend off, to defend themselves against some negative energy that might come through that board. I can tell you when I was 14 and my friend Aaron and I we were playing with the Ouija board. Neither one of us knew what we were doing. And when something came through, neither one of us knew what to do with it. Not a clue. We had to go and find somebody. And we had to ask them. Because it kind of attached itself to her. And, um... It was the first time I'd ever seen somebody's eyes go black. It was kind of creepy. I'll never forget it. Um... Mine have done that, apparently. But, yeah, I was 14. And it was the first time I'd ever seen somebody's eyes go black. And it was the first time I had ever heard a different voice. A voice that there was no possible way it could have come out of Erin's throat of her own volition. Because she was a very high-pitched, soft voice. And the voice that came out of her was male. Weird. So we had to hunt down the local witch and listen to an hour and a half lecture on why we shouldn't play with these things unless we know what we're doing. And then she told us how to deal with it. So we did. and. After that, I made sure I knew how to use the board correctly. I knew how to protect myself. I knew how to protect those that were with me. Never play with the board by yourself. Because there is not enough energy in you to protect yourself and to shield the board at the same time. I don't care who you are. No, don't do it. So my best advice when it comes to Ouija boards is just don't. It may say oui in the name, which is yes in French, but I say no. Don't do it. Just don't. No. Um another way of communicating with the other side is yourself. You are your best tool. Everything else is just gravy. They're just props, really. You are your best tool. Um just sit quiet. Open your your ears and open your mind and just feel the energies around you. Try not to freak yourself out, it's easy to do, but just listen. And a lot of times you will get answers, you will get responses. You just have to listen, you have to pay attention. It takes a lot of energy for the spirits to communicate on the other side. And they will draw energy from batteries. They will draw energy from people. They will draw energy from electricity. Whatever they can pull energy from, they will. To communicate. Which is why a lot of paranormal investigators will tell you, you know, I just put fresh batteries in this thing. We walked in, five minutes later they were dead. Um... So if you're starting to notice lights are dimming and batteries are draining fairly quickly, that's a good indication that somebody wants to talk to you. Stop and listen. Just listen. Especially right now, because right now is the easiest time for them to communicate with you. So just listen. Okay, we are sitting at an hour and I could continue talking about this for another hour. I'm not going to. Um, There are so many different things I can get into. You know, spirit possession. I can talk to you about the different um, spiritual paths and how they communicate with the dead, but I'm not going to. So maybe we'll talk a little bit about that next week. Um, I am going to say goodnight. My throat is getting very dry and I need some water. And I got to get this over to my producer because, as you probably saw on Facebook, um, we posted a message that our service provider for our website, for um, JSL Hub, which holds all of our our web pages, it holds the magazine, it holds the podcast, um, all of them are not working correctly. So thank you Facebook, and thank you Twitter. Our Facebook and our Twitter listeners, um, you guys are going to get a treat because this podcast is going to be well. As you've seen, it's going the MP3 is di- going to be directly on Facebook and directly on Twitter t- for you to access. Um, those of you that listen on other mediums, I am so sorry. As soon as we can, or as soon as our service provider gets their... Okay, I'm just going to say it because by this point in time we are so very frustrated with them. Um, As soon as they get their head out of their ass and figure out what they're doing, uh, it'll be up on the podcast page. It'll be up on the network. So, thank you for listening through Facebook and listening through our Twitter links and wherever else we can stick it. Um... I do appreciate it. So if you want to keep up with me and see what I am doing, um, I do this funky little thing over on TikTok called Coffee Talk. And there is some talk about turning Coffee Talk into a podcast. We'll see. (laughs) And extending kind of what I've I've been doing over there. Um, Go have a listen. Go check it out. Let me know what you think. Should I do a coffee talk podcast? You know, let's hear from you. Um, I would have to brush up and improve my Boston accent. Anyway, so you can find me on TikTok. Um, I am Lady Luhu over on TikTok. I'm on Facebook at Luhu Baskets or Lupa Barty or Stephanie J. Barty, author. Uh, you can find me, I am also the editor-in-chief for the World of Myth magazine, so sometimes I'm hanging out over there. And, um, if you're concerned about the magazine that is supposed to come out on the 24th, we are hoping that our service provider will have all their ducks back in a row, and the magazine will launch as scheduled. But, do not fear, do not fret, it will launch It may not launch on the day it's supposed to, but it will launch. Don't worry. Your stuff will be out there. Okay? I give you my word. So, you can check us out at www.theworldofmyth.com. But I wouldn't suggest you go there today. Might not be, you know, a good idea. Might not be fixed. Um you can find us on Facebook at the world of Myth magazine. You can also find us on Twitter at the World of Myth magazine and I am on Twitter at Lupa B. I'm on Facebook. I already gave you my Facebooks. I'm on Instagram at Stephanie Barty author, Luhu Baskets. Lupa's bits has an Instagram. I gotta get on that so go check that out. And don't forget, every Monday is The World of Myth Bits with Jenna and Joe Sparks, and Wednesday is My Public Life as an American Nerd with David K. Montoya, and me on Fridays at Lupus Bits, the podcast. So everybody, have a good week, and we will see you on the 29th with some scary Samhain stories, some Halloween stories, and a poem that I share every single year. All right, everybody, see ya. Carry on all way you are son. There'll be peace when you are done. Lay your weary head to rest. Don't you cry? Don't you cry.